When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman. I'm the founder of Fish on First, providing you guys with complete Miami Marlins coverage. We're doing it at our new site. If you haven't been paying attention these last few weeks, we have totally revamped our website, fishonfirst.com, with the help of Diamond Centric. I think we've now made it. We're on our way to making it the first ever true Marlins super site. Absolutely everything you could want. Readily available videos, uh, all of our news-breaking articles as well, our individual reporting, our columns, our fan posting section. We're now calling that blogs, special forums that we have set up as well. We want to grow those. And an easy opportunity for you guys to support us as super subs for paid subscriptions starting at just $4 a month. Fishonfirst.com slash subscriptions to make sure that we continue to grow and grow and create content that's even of the highest quality and best efficiency as possible. We appreciate everybody that's helped us Get here, and you can find all our podcast episodes posted there. You can find all of them posted right here on our YouTube channel. You can watch us talk about stuff there. But, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, fish on first. Look for the new logo. Part of this redesign was the new logo, the sleeker, sexier logo. So make sure, especially on Apple, that you're following the channel with the new logo. That's the one that is continuing to be updated all throughout the year. And we are on the precipice of the start of the new season. The reason that we know that is because of the news coming out on Monday of non-roster invitees to 2024 Marlins Spring Training. Right before getting into the NRIs, I do want to remind you about who is actually on this Marlins roster to begin with. So those are the ones that, it goes without saying, they have the inside track to make the Marlins opening day roster. The Marlins have a full 40-man for the moment, right as pitchers and catchers report. They'll be opening up one spot when they can move Sandy Alcantara to the 60-day IL. Uh, other than that, it is it is jam-packed. It is not a good 40-man roster. We've been pretty blunt about that, how many of these players on this 40-man seem to be expendable, ones that you can't really trust all that far it is a relatively experienced 40-man roster 90 percent of these guys have major league experience and because of that when we talk about these nris they have kind of an uphill climb in order to crack this because that means they have to leap over players that are already on the 40-man 36 of these guys have played in the big leagues before um, a couple of them have been called up to the big leagues and haven't played during those short stints but you can actually say that 90 that 38 out of 40 have at least been on a major league active roster at some point. You have to be really impressive during a relatively short sample size during spring training in order to leap over them. Injuries tend to be a pretty big factor 
And there have been, I think, one recent year with the Marlins where none of the NRIs actually made the opening day roster. The vast majority of the time, historically, at least one of them does step up. And that's why we dive into this, because we think odds are at least one of these guys will find their way onto the Marlins opening day roster, which is coming up in 51 days as of this recording. It is coming in fast and furious here. So quickly, the full list that I'll go through of these NRIs, in addition to the 40-man roster, this now brings the total up to 60 players that we're going to definitely be seeing at the start of spring training in Jupiter. To run through them, right-handed pitchers Elvis Alvarado, Matt Andres, Robert Arias, Jeff Lindgren, Kyle Tyler, left-handed pitchers Pat Monteverde and Devin Smeltzer, catchers Will Banfield, Bennett Hostetler, Paul McIntosh, Johnny Pareda, infielders Jacob Berry, Jose Devers, Tristan Gray, Troy Johnston, Trey Mancini, Javier Sanoa, and outfielders Griffin Conine, Marty Costas, Jonathan Davis. A lot of these guys were actually in the organization last year. There's only seven of them coming truly from the outside for this competition. I'm going to dive into six of these 20 players on this episode that I feel are superlative for one particular reason or another. That's the title of this episode, uh, NRI Superlatives. What we'll go with first is the youngest one of the bunch, Javier Sanoa. That is his unique trait. He's going to be 21 years old for almost the entirety of this 2024 season, not turning 22 until September. The second youngest player in camp overall behind only Yori Perez. Um, there's a difference of five months age-wise between them. And Sonoa is from the same international signing class as Perez. That was a class that was headlined by Jose Salas, Junior Sanchez, Ian Lewis. Those three guys took up the vast majority of the Marlins bonus pool that year. And yet it's Perez that's already kind of cemented himself as a big league starter. And now Sonoa, who is also already coming up to big league camp. He last season split it between low A and high A. I would say I was clamoring for him to get up to high A a little bit sooner. It was only 30 games at the end of the year. What stood out is his incredible bat-to-ball skills. He had a 7% strikeout rate in high A. He had a 7.4 in low A. The only real struggles he's had so far in his career, I guess he had a little bit of struggles in the DSL at the start of his professional career. And then a little bit in Jupiter in 2022 last year was super impressive um, for the standards of hitting prospects in this organization where so few guys had actually good years at age appropriate levels. This is somebody as a 20 year old who had barely ever whiffed on the ball. He hit over 300 in low a and a solid 267 at high a by WRC plus you combine both levels. He's a slightly over a hundred that is in itself impressive because this guy's an up-the-middle player. They listed him, as I mentioned, as an infielder on this spring roster. I find that kind of curious um, because he overall has played more games in center field than he has in the middle infield spots as of late. Last year, it is highly unusual to see a prospect that this young alternate between catcher, no catcher, center field, second base, and shortstop during the course of the season. The fact that all three of those positions are still on the table for him, through my eyes, I think he's really solid at just about all of them. Shortstop is going to be the biggest push for, is going to be kind of the biggest if about him, because if he is a, a shortstop, that in itself really raises his floor. 
but he's super fast. Last year stole 37 bases, and I think that was second in the organization behind only Nassim Nunez. The year before, he was at 18. The year before, he was 11. The efficiency of his base stealing could improve a little bit, as is usually the case with the youngest guy in camp. His chances of actually making the roster are essentially non-existent. I don't see a path here. Uh, the Marlins don't want to rush him on the 40-man any earlier than they have to. If he is even better than they thought he was, then they'll want to be careful with his service time um, and ensure that they have six more years of control even beyond this year. I think realistically, um, his ETA to the big leagues is going to be 2025. It would be a pretty big shock if he makes any major league appearances this season. It does. It is quite a statement, though, that he is an NRI. As somebody that, even in his international class, was not among the higher-profile guys. So he's come a long way since then. Glad to see him rewarded for uh, the big year that he had in 2023. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Then on the other end of the spectrum, the oldest NRI in Marlins camp, Matt Andres. This was one of the earlier NRIs reported off the top of my head, I think in December. And maybe even earlier than that, because the joke was he was one of many players that came in and that early on in this offseason with a Tampa Bay Rays connection. Um, I'm using his Angels photo that was taken in, what, 2020? In his most recent big league experience was in 2021, but he started his major league career with the Rays, and that was way back in 2015. So at this point now, 34 years old. He turns 35 in August. And there have been times where he was kind of, yeah, as Best, you could say that he was a back-end starter for the Rays. He made 19 starts in 2016. He made 17 in 2017. Uh, overall, with a big league career, a 4.63 ERA. So that's a little bit worse than league average. The FIP is more encouraging for his career. A 4.21 FIP because he throws a lot of strikes. Even though he doesn't throw especially hard, uh, below average velocity, especially for a, um, a starting pit, even for a starting pitcher, but the strikeout rate that was pretty close to league average during his career, overall 21.7% um, of the time. But he's been a journeyman as of late after leaving the Rays, went to the Diamondbacks, then the Angels, then Boston and Seattle. This past year, he was with the Dodgers AAA affiliate. So he is the kind of just that bulk that um, you could say is a little bit potentially a little bit more than a mop-up guy, but he's going to be able to give you length if you really need it. He spent last year as a starter in AAA, so uh, there's not going to be a particular innings limit for him. Always good to have a body like that. I think more than a few of you have been clamoring for the Marlins to get a an actual veteran who's of major league quality who can do that um, instead of somebody that was kind of struggling, frankly, at AAA last year. Let me see if I can get those numbers. With triple A, uh, yeah, he had a 605 ERA. He was playing in the PCL, so you need to take that with a grain of salt. Like league adjusted, it's still bad, but it's not quite as uh, alarming as 605 might seem on the surface. 
last year playing in a super hitter friendly environments. Anyway, Matt Andrews, he's, he's the gray beard of this group. Then going to the most accomplished player of these NRIs, pretty easy one here, Trey Mancini. So the news about him signing came out uh, last week, maybe the week before, a World Series champion with the Houston Astros. But far more notably, you remember him from his days with the Baltimore Orioles, five seasons, parts of six, no, parts, yeah, parts of six seasons to start his career. There was a gap in between when he was battling cancer and great that he beat that and got back on the field and returned as an everyday player, just not quite as effective an everyday player as he was prior to those health issues. Overall for his career, a slash line of 263, 328, 448. That is a 109 WRC plus. That is 6.3 Fangraphs wins above replacement in 831 major league games. Yeah, he's been durable outside of that really freaky and scary cancer diagnosis playing at least 140 games every year from 2017 to 2022 with 2020 taken out of that at his best in 2019, 35 home runs, 97 runs batted in 106 runs scored as well. Uh, yeah, not, not particularly good athlete, even as best only two career stolen bases, and he's generally been a below average base runner every single year of his career. His value kind of comes down to hard line drives, singles, doubles, and home runs. Early in his career, the home runs are there. Recently, they just haven't been. He had only 18 in 2022. And last year, in over a half season with the Cubs, he had four homers. So they cut him, even though it was in just the first year of a two-year deal, $14 million. The yeah, the unflattering truth is that he was awfully similar to the Cubs version of Gene Segura last year. That's kind of how bad things got. It was a similar contract to Segura, not yeah, different type of player, not quite as um, it's not quite as old. So that is what made it a little bit surprising. But at the same time, because he struggled so much late in 2022 with the Astros, it didn't come out of nowhere. This is kind of a continuation of a trend where if you go back the last 130 games. For Mantini, it's like a 75, 76 WRC plus over a very big sample. And that's why he's a minor league deal. Well, it's also a minor league deal because the Cubs are still paying him, right? So these players can't get double paid as well. Um, with the Marlins, it's a pretty no-brainer bounce back candidate. Potentially, if he just bounces back to what he was with the Orioles in early 2022, well, he had a 119. WRC plus of the Orioles before getting traded as well. Like there is, this was a pretty no brainer guy to bring in for a team that, as you know, is still really insecure with its offense. Mancini primarily a first baseman. He has played the corner outfield spots in the past. Uh, I would say his, if he just simply mashes enough in the spring, then he's going to force his way on the roster. Also, if, if he shows that he still has some uh, juice, in his legs to patrol the outfield at a passable level. I think that'll be a pretty important factor too. It's, it's hard to, I I'm generally not a huge fan of the idea of rostering two first base only players. Um, but if he can at least fake it in the outfield, at this stage of his career now entering his age 32 season, I think that'd be a, a pretty important factor to keep him going on the other end of the spectrum, looking at 
the my favorite sleeper here, the player that uh, is you probably know the least about that I would say among all these players, he was high up there on my list of ones who I had not heard of prior to him being signed. Elvis Alvarado, 24-year-old reliever who throws 100-mile-per-hour sinkers. That's kind of the skinny on him. That's what makes him really notable. Pitched in the Dominican Winter League this past year. Prior to that, he was in the Tigers organization, but he's, yeah, he's bounced around a little bit. He started his pro career with the Nats and went to Seattle, and then he was in the Tigers organization the last two years. He's been a reliever from the jump in his pro career. Never really had much illusions about starting, which, but when watching him, like there's the makings of four different pitches here. The, the sinker is the headliner. That's why he throws most often. That's what gets results about. It's an exceptional like combo of velo and arm side movement that he gets on that pitch. It's at times it's a good strikeout pitch. Like this past year, across three different levels, his strikeout rate was like twenty six percent, something around there. But even more so, it's about avoiding the barrel, of the bat, and getting some soft contact. He can throw four seamers at the top of the zone because of how much movement he gets on his sinker. The four seamer is a distinct pitch when it doesn't have that movement and so when it's in a different eye level that he throws it at. He's got a slider, low 80s, low to mid 80s, and then I've seen a couple change-ups of him. That seems to be the weakest offering in his bunch uh, as well. Always been a reliever. Uh, I don't. I think that in itself is still staying. I still find. I do find it intriguing though that he could potentially have a deeper pitch mix than other guys. He, for the most part, he lives and dies with that sinker. This past year, he finally made his first appearance at the Double A level, and it was only one game at the end of the season. It was only one inning at the very end of the season. What stands out to me is just how well he was pitching heading into this. He has momentum, you could say. I mean, you could chop up these sample sizes any way you want. I do find it interesting that he has had 21 consecutive scoreless appearances. All of them, really short ones, still 21 straight scoreless between minor league season and winter ball. It was 14 games in the winter league. It was his last seven of the 2023 regular season that was scoreless. I mean, that's pretty notable to me. When I, I call him a sleeper, I don't mean a sleeper to make the opening day roster. That'd be a pretty massive upset because as you know, we've talked about with this Marlins 40 man, it's not only full, but it is full of relievers. It's full of also a couple of starters that are going to, a couple of relievers that are going to pretend to be starters, but it's 23 pitchers on this 40 man. It's a lot of other pitchers that have good velo and a solid breaking ball. So he's pretty far in line. Um, I'd say his chances of making the open day roster aren't, they're a little bit better than Javier Sanoa. They're still really low. I mean, as somebody that we didn't really know anything about that could be by the end of the season, he could be up in the big leagues. And I think long-term, he could be a better player than we we currently know him to be. I think he's somebody that by the end of the year could be up in the big leagues, and then he could stick around for a number of years as at the very least a, a middle reliever in this pen. But it's, yeah, it's a really fun pitch. It's uh, but that sinker, and he was up to 100. He was sitting high 90s, really sitting like 98, 97, 98 on average uh, during the course of a uh, winter ball. Needs to iron out his control a little bit, but he's he's a lot closer to being a passable strike thrower than you might expect for somebody that hasn't really had a much of a chance in the high minors.
um, until coming over here. To finish this off, we want to talk about the ones who are most likely to actually make the cuts and actually push for Marlins opening day jobs. Almost every year, not every year, but almost every year, one of these NRIs sneaks onto the 40-man. Somehow, we know they're going to create a little bit of wiggle room once moving Sandy Alcantara to the 60-day IL. So there, there's going to be some wiggle room, and unfortunately, there are almost always some additional injuries that happen during the course of spring training. I already mentioned Trey Mancini. He's uh, he's the obvious one um, with Mancini. I think I would give his chances of cracking the opening day roster slightly over 50%, when especially like factoring in his track record and also anticipating that maybe somebody is going to get hurt. So many different players on this roster, whether it is any of the corner outfielders, whether it's first base, or uh, any of the DH candidates, like anybody from Berger to Bell to De La Cruz to Sanchez to Avi Garcia. Like if any of those guys get hurt, it creates um, more room, especially for a right-handed hitter like Mancini, who at times in his career has had really strong production against lefties. So it does a little bit to fill the Jorge Soler void. I think Mancini is pretty high up there in, in terms of his opportunity to make the cut. Right behind him, I'd have Jonathan Davis. JD is back. Uh, I think the fact that he was essentially non-tendered early by the Marlins, they they waived him, nobody claimed him, became a free agent, and then he re-signed with the team. I'd say that is relatively rare to ha- get squeezed off a team's 40-man roster and then still come back to that team. That is somebody that recognizes he'll have a pretty good opportunity to make that team, that he has some sort of role to play as currently constructed like, who's the backup center fielder behind Jazz Chisholm Jr.? You could say it's Vidal Brujan occasionally, but even he hasn't played a ton of center field in his career, and his offense is just as suspect as Jonathan Davis's is. Maybe it's Jesus Sanchez. Uh, maybe it's John. You could put John Birdie there in an absolute emergency, but Jonathan Davis would be kind of the better fit for backup center field pinch running role as well, who last year he hit so much better than people thought he would at the big league level is an 85 WRC plus and really timely hits. He good situational hitter, even though you know, a liability overall at the plate. Um, I think he's a pretty solid shot of squeezing in there somehow. And then Devin Smeltzer is not a sexy pick right here because he got plenty of opportunities last year. And uh, aside from that one game, you can wistfully remember that one game in Cleveland. Aside from that one, he just was not very impressive. But they kept DFAing him. They kept outriding him. And he kept coming back. This was a player that could have had could have elected free agency during the last season if he felt there were other opportunities elsewhere. He kept coming back. And they, as relatively early in the offseason, they committed to bringing him back. And he wanted to come back. If that's the case. And they, this is a player that they know that they can call up in a pinch and use him either as a spot starter or as a mop-up man. And then when they inevitably have to squeeze him off the 40 man, that he's going to stay around and be available to be used later in the year. Then I think that shows you that he's going to be pretty high up in line for when they inevitably need this kind of filler like player um, when injuries pop up, when, just you have a lot of fatigue on your pitching staff. There will be opportunities for somebody like him. 
Matt Andrees is in the same bucket um, elsewhere on this team. Uh, Jeff Lindgren, one of the other NRIs, he's in a similar boat as well. But I, I, I pick Smelter as the one that at the start of the season, always injuries have to be a factor here. But I, I think uh, if he is on the roster, it'd be pretty short-lived. I think it, the usage will be relatively similar to last year. A couple weeks at most with him on the, the active roster, and then you just send him down and then call him up again uh, when you need it. So that's diving deep on six particular guys. For those watching on YouTube, again, one last look at the full group that we have so far. There could be additional ones. I do still expect there to be additional acquisitions between now and the start of the season. This has been so slow moving that there's just are still dozens and dozens of interesting major league free agents on the market. And there could be other minor league guys that are worth a shot squeezing in here. I believe the, the limit for a spring training group as a whole is 75 players. Marlins are only at 60. So there is some wiggle room to continue adding to this group. Um, and there are some interesting names beyond the ones that I mentioned, but I just want to be pretty concise with this analysis. You can see the full list up on fishonfirst.com. So there'll be this podcast posted there, a separate article from Kevin Barral as well. And one more look at our sexy redesigned website. We appreciate everybody that has visited so far. Um, this pat the previous week prior to my recording was by far a most visited time since we became our own site in May of 2023. So once the Marlins actually give us some things to cover directly about them, then I think it's going to explode even more. And we're going to make it a place where it's really easy to access the information and the entertainment that you want relevant to the Marlins. I implore you again to consider becoming a super sub fishonfirst.com slash subscriptions to support us that way. If you've done it in the past, uh, there are a lot of you that have, then we think you should come over because we're going to give you even more bang for your buck in terms of uh, extra content and attention throughout the course of the 2024 major league season. I've been Eli Sussman. This has been the official show every Tuesday morning. For the foreseeable future, I'll have new episodes of this talking all things Marlins, talking with people in and around the Marlins and my fellow staffers here at FOF as well. Um, that being said, episode 211 of the official show, a whole lot more podcast content coming up here from our various programming. We hope you stay tuned and listen, rate and review wherever applicable. Leave a like on the video if you're watching on YouTube. I'll talk to you guys again really soon. Spring training right around the corner. Go fish.